0: Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher, live from San Francisco. I was just finishing, Scott. Go ahead. Move along in.
1: I was so excited. I just feel so much safer now that Vice President Pence (laughs) is in charge of our efforts against the coronavirus. Oh, man.
0: He just literally handed him a bag of shit, and Vice President Pence said thank you. It was like the most obsequious acceptance of the worst job in the world where everything can go wrong.
1: No, yeah, it's literally, it's tantamount to Gorbachev looking around and saying, this Chernobyl thing, you ch- you're yes, in charge exactly. of that. Oh, God, okay God,
0: what oh, that, okay. that press conference was disturbing on every level. And just, uh, you know, really the, the whole obsession with himself getting sick and everything, just the whole thing, just the entire thing in the stock market, it's very disturbing.
1: I just hope they put Betsy DeVos and Ben Carson in tr- oh. in charge, just to really set a panic <laughs> off. Staff if young people want an opportunity to... Bu- Guys, the stock market went head.
0: down after the press conference, which it usually does not do. But there you have it.
1: Yeah, it's um, Josh uh, from um, uh, Ritholtz mm-hmm. Management, uh, downtown Josh Brown, uh, just this incredibly smart guy. He pointed out something that was genius and how obvious it was, and that is... The the big uh, health scare in two thousand and nine was that SARS. SARS.
0: Well, two oh, notes MERS, but... go ahead, MERS.
1: SARS was two thousand and three. So MERS, SARS, M and M's. So I think about eight thousand people died, but the markets didn't feel it because the markets didn't respond because the markets were already off fifty percent. Mm-hmm. And his viewpoint is the reason the markets off are off now is because essentially they're looking, looking for, for an excuse for yep. to mm-hmm. be off because eighty percent of them are near their right. two year highs. I mean, the market just got very Especially frothy. At the so of the year.
0: yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, so this was, this might just be, and you know what? This has nothing to do with, uh, and actually I just want to acknowledge, someone wrote me a very thoughtful email saying, you know, making light of the coronavirus and talking about stocks. She goes, just keep in mind there's a lot of human pain and she's a Chinese national. She was talking about how a friend of hers had to fly home to take care of her very sick mother. But anyways, the... uh, uh, you know who who benefits from the stock market going down? I, anyone who owns stock is like, oh, no. But anyone who doesn't own stock, i.e., the majority yeah. of people under the age of 35, you know, it's, it's time for them to have the opportunity to buy into some good companies mm. at a little bit it's lower buying. price. So it, it's just a so buying weird. We,
0: opportunity, as they say on Wall Street, correct? I saw –
1: well, yeah, it's just the narrative is immediately like, okay, wouldn't it be, all right, oh, no, if the species is w- are wiped out, it might take the NASDAQ down. It, everything is like immediately, yeah, let's jump to well, that's the market. because, you know, because. people
0: have been so oriented toward the stock market as what the economy is, and it's not. It's just not, as as you have said many times. All Agreed. right, so I was Agreed. just in Miami this week. I had I interviewed Jorge Ramos, who's a possible replacement for you, obviously. Um, Jorge, <laughs> Jorge Ramos. Ramos amazing. It was a great talk. Um, but, really? but one of the things uh, we talked about was sort of where journalism is, and it was very it was a very high-minded uh, uh, conversation of, of what to do. And one of the things he said is you uh, you speak the truth. And so let me just – this can seem like right. a strange stretch, but actually um, you predicted – because you were so mad that they played a correct prediction by me. You predicted we'd be hearing a lot more about Sanders' opinions on the history of communist leaders, and lo and behold – he had some pretty controversial comments on Fidel Castro. And Jorge Ramos discussed this in this interview I did with him at the Night Media Forum.
1: Let, let me just say clearly, uh, Cuba is a dictatorship. It's been a dictatorship since 1959. Venezuela is a dictatorship. Nicaragua is a dictatorship. And, and that's where you have to start. You cannot start by saying, well, maybe they have a great health program, or maybe they have an education. If they kill thousands of people in Cuba, if they have political prisoners, if they don't have opposition parties that cannot be a democracy and you cannot tell that to people who personally suffered from dictatorships so it's going to be incredibly difficult yeah what a shocker it happened if you make enough predictions occasionally just through just through probability get them right but it's only just begun you're gonna see uh i mean he has some he has a colored past and you're gonna see just all kinds of videos and unfortunately everything's now on our permanent record there's no way to live a life without making a lot of mistakes. And uh, from rotor sta- status means that you are wildly yeah, vetted and they go to every dark corner because the media has a, a profit motive and highlighting things that are embarrassing because they're clickbait. Everybody clicks on them. But uh, Senator Sanders has a lot of them. And here's the.
0: Yeah, he has not been vetted properly. You're
1: correct. Well, here's the problem How does he win Florida? How does he win Florida? Well,
0: that's what uh, that's what Jorge talked and about. He no, said it's impossible. We've never
1: had a Democratic president win an election without winning Florida. And if you yeah. know people in Florida, they they understandably have very, very, emo- an, a very emotional reaction to southern, you know, South American socialists and autocratic leadership and he has a lot he's on record as being quite benign and cozying up to yeah. them and Fide, fidel's yeah. just literally the tip of the iceberg there's going to be a lot more here but
0: yeah he he, he i i see what he's doing he's so stubborn i can watch him do it it's like there's nothing wrong with saying that it's like saying oh russia does some great things like nice vodka or something like that and it's like that's not really he should just stop me he's trying to make a point like that he should be able to say there's some good things and 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 say there's great things about them and so, you know, and criticize them at the same time. And obviously Trump does this with Saudi Arabia, Russia or whatever. But it just looks – it's a bad look for him and and it takes away the ability to insult Trump about his relationships with Saudi Arabia or or Russia or things like that. I think it's a big mistake. And and Ramos was noting that a lot of Latinos support Trump Um, and and now yeah. Fine was saying it, um, and so it's not this monolithic body. But this is not a good. This is not a good. Well, it's not. It's not absolutely. even if
1: you've. I've watched a lot. A, a lot of these videos. It's not. It's not. They're not balanced arguments. Like okay, in the context of evaluating Russia, we have to remember, they have a great yeah. scientific community. They've always right. placed an emphasis on education. Uh, yeah. It's not a, It's not attempting to be a balanced argument. He comes across, if you watch the whole thing, as an impo- apologist, and quite frankly, yeah. as someone who endorses. A movement away from the full body contact uh, uh, approach or gestalt of capitalism, which has its flaws, towards a more socialist and even maybe a communist ideology. It's not a balanced argument that he's making. What he's implicitly doing is endorsing a different social and political construct. And that's the the problem. And of a hundred senators, of a hundred senators, America has decided to elect one socialist. So the the election comes down to this. If I were Trump, uh, I would just be make the entire election if it looks like it's gonna be Sanders and Trump, and you know what? Right now, right now, it kinda looks that way. Well, I would listen, just be socialism listen, versus capitalism. So That's it. Just make the I don't, whole thing okay. socialism There capitalism. you go.
0: Well, uh, speaking of capitalism, one of the we're gonna go to big stories now. Bob yeah. Iger stepping down. Oh on my CEO gosh. Of Disney. What the
1: You w- know him, T-M. I don't.
0: I do. Did you reach
1: out to Bob? Do you call him Bobby? What does he call you?
0: I call him Bob.
1: You call him Bob. I did reach
0: out to him. I'm not going to discuss my discussions with him. Well, what's In any the point? Case, what's the him? point of listening uh,
1: to this pod <laughs> if we don't get some insight <laughs> from you?
0: As you know, one of my predictions was that he was going to leave after a- a- announcing streaming, which right. I did. I think it was the suddenness of it. He's been. I, I don't. Nothing has come out since, yeah. right? That that there's some. They asked him about health issues, any other controversial issues. Um, he he had been wanting to leave. I think the surprise was who he picked because they thought yeah. they were going to pick. Uh, the guy who ran um, uh, streaming, yeah. uh, Kevin, yeah. and I'm blanking on his name, um, and uh, and they picked this other Bob, this other Bob uh, uh, Chapik, um, who is the chairman of Disney Parks, which is a really big job. Um, it used to be run by a guy named Tom Staggs, who everybody thought was who kind of looked like Bob Iger he had kind of that look, and then Staggs left under really un- just left, and and was was and and Iger was not ready to leave at that time, even though he had he had thought he did. And so I think what's interesting is he's leaving, but he's not leaving. Right? He's right. going to stay there to through two thousand twenty-one as executive chairman. This Bob, this other Bob, the new Bob. This we all say old, old Bob and new Bob right. um, is reporting to him, and he's still earning this massive salary. Um, and and he did say he did say it a number of times, um, even though he had resigned to a, a longer term thing. So I think he's. There was all these immediate rumors that he was going to be the um, was going to be Bloomberg's vice presidential candidate because there yeah. had been some he had been thinking about it a little bit running for president um, and so you know I don't I'm not sure there's more here and again I'll, I'll, if something happens I'll look like an idiot but I think he was going to leave and in this way he's leaving without leaving I guess
1: something's up here this is the whole all right, thing tell me. well the whole thing felt rushed and also I mean there's 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 a couple things to unpack here typically. Typically some the person who becomes CEO of Pepsi comes up through marketing. Yeah. The CEO of General Motors usually is a product engineer. And if you think about Disney and where they are really differentiated and where they are probably their future lies and their ability to maintain this unbelievable momentum, it's it's in a word, it's content. Their ability mm-hmm. to create seven billion dollar plus films in one year, to lead the box office three years in a row, then take those amazing that amazing content, put it on uh, Disney Plus, then create parks centered around those themes, then sell Mandalorian action figures and and, and the wheel spins. But the right. epicenter, if you will, the centrifugal force, the thing that gets the merry-go-round or the wheel flying is content. And it's just interesting that they chose someone from parks uh, yeah. to run the whole thing. I felt that the whole thing seemed so rushed that there was some sort of— I feel like there's another shoe to drop here, but to be That's clear— it's important to shout or just call out under Bob Iger's leadership, uh, yeah. profits up 300 percent, stock up 400 percent. That means fivefold. You know, he brought a decent amount of, of dignity and grace. He was never mean. He was never flamboyant. He was never in the yeah. news. He was, he's been largely scanned. He's been totally scandal free. And also one out of three acquisitions work. Two out of three fail. He is arguably arguably the best acquirer in the history of yep. corporate America.
0: He's a, yep, he's Pixar,
1: Marvel, Lucasfilm. I mean, come uh-huh. on. And he paid he really is. reasonable prices like for him. all these things, and he has a great reputation. So, you know, Boss, he deserves a victory lap. Uh, he deserves... You know, I hope, you know, I don't know how much money well, is made. You know, he he's coming to
0: code and he hasn't canceled. So and he's there still, you know. you know, he's still in charge of content. So I think we'll be asking him these questions. Um, I don't know if Bob is the other Bob is coming. J. Pick. Um, one of the things I think that is unusual is this. It looks like this guy's. And look, the parks job is critically. Uh, Tom Staggs was usually in the park profitable. Hugely provident, very important part of Disney, and it really—you put someone in there and they succeed. You do, you know, that's a great yeah. executive, essentially yeah. a great operational executive. Yeah. Um, compared to the any of the others, that's the most difficult job at Disney, from what I'm told. Yeah. Um, because there's so much going on, there's so much go- and analog and all kinds people, of people. Yeah, and of everything. course, he's dealing with coronavirus yeah. now, yeah. and they, both in they have big uh, exposure in China. Um, with their parks there, and their uh, largely their parks, which are super popular there, um, and so he, you know he would be among those picked. But I think what what it was is they didn't pick the content people, the, mm-hmm. the, the Kevin and, and others, and so I think that was surprising. The other is it looks like this guy is getting on the job training by Bob Iger, right? right? So so that's another odd thing. And I don't I think if someone's not ready to be uh, that, I, one of the I think the more smart analysis. And I don't know if you agree. With this is this is a company too big to run by one per like one person. There's very few people that can sing, dance, and act like Bob Iger, you know, mm-hmm. and also uh, look good doing it. Um, one of the things that I. I Bring down a column. I used I call him the Cashmere Prince all the time. Yep. Because um, he has these beautiful cashmere sweaters, yeah. and I tr- I try not to touch people I interview, but they're so beautiful, I want they're so st- beautiful. I'm always like I want to touch his sweater, just his arm. That's all. Um. And 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 it's so good that you clarified the, but, that. I know. Thank you. Um. But the Cashmere Prince idea is like he's just he moves through life in that way, yeah. and he has that effect. But he's also quite approachable. He's not a snob or anything like that. And so I think having this guy train you is great, but at the same time, why do you need a CEO in training? Or is there a CEO that can run such a multifaceted company like this? Because now there's so many moving parts: um, digital content, parks, um, you know, commerce, everything else. I don't know. What do you think? Is, well, is it can, go, can on to on Run Disney.
1: No, conglomerates oftentimes have, you know, you need a CEO who at the end of the day makes decisions, communicates to the the investment community and sets strategy and quite frankly is probably the most important job is finding and retaining the best CEOs of smaller companies to run the parks, to run the movie division, to run Mm -hmm. Disney Mm -hmm. TV Plus. At the end of the day, at an organization like that, It's the boring stuff that increases shareholder value. You know what the most difficult thing is? It's compensation. And that is figuring out a way to align each of the heads of those divisions, their financial interests with the success of the company that accretes to the whole thing, and then getting them to play nice with each other, figuring out a way that, okay, if we give people discounts at the park in exchange for signing, or we give them a free Apple TV+, Plus, does the guy at the park get the right compensation for that? So it's... You need a guy to run the aircraft carrier squadron. And even if you have incredibly adept people running each of the carriers themselves.
0: Yeah. So I think what's interesting is that um, – Kevin Mayer is the person I'm thinking about who runs, you know, a lot of their consumer stuff and – and is, has been in charge of this rollout of Disney Plus, which has been – uh, it's direct-to-consumer and international division, which it will be interesting how Bob interacts with Kevin like that because he was sort of the one everyone thought. Like, now that doesn't always turn out that just because the reporters are saying this is the one that it happens. And that's happened a zillion times including at Disney with uh, under uh, uh, Mr. Staggs. Um, and so it's – I think that's the difficult part is that people thought one thing. How do you keep these people in these jobs? Now, they're incredibly powerful jobs and someone like Jeff Bezos has managed to keep a lot of people yeah. in these – I mean they're quasi-CEOs, right, within each of these – Oh, 100 percent. Your
1: guy Richard so, Plepler, Plepler reported up to Jeff Bukes. And, and, yeah, and, Bukes. and Bukes key – you know, one of his things is I set strategy but then I find incredibly talented people yeah. – who are willing to stick around even though they're not number 1 and anywhere they go they would be number 1. At any great company a, a a big sign of a great company is that you look around and there's three or four people that could be the CEO of another company.
0: Absolutely. And, when and they're, that, that was GE, that was the GE. 100%. Thing, right?
1: That's the whole GE model. And and yeah. uh, Amazon has that. Um, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're, the great Apple, firms I would argue Apple does. Yeah, a, Apple has probably three or four CEOs in there. So you're again, the CEO at the end of the day, the CEO's job make sure they don't run out of money, manage in in the investment community, be a spokesperson for the company. And really the gangster move, what you got to do is you got to be able to attract and retain a bunch of number ones and keep them happy and ensure they all. And then the hard part is figuring out a way for them all to play nice together. Because, again, that Rundle flywheel at Disney, it's starting to spin. And occasionally one group is going to have to take a back seat, or give away their product or upgrade people who – are a wow. member of Disney Plus, and it's going to hit their earnings in the short term, but they're all going to have to figure out a way to say, "Okay, h- how yeah, do we so create?" Is, a- is this
0: second Bob good enough to do that? That's I think yeah, the we'll big. See. I think Those are big like, shoes
1: God. to fill. Pro- this probably second. are the biggest shoes to fill since uh, Steve Jobs um, uh, appointed yeah. uh, Tim Cook. This will be That's everyone's true. Was, eyes. Was, like,
0: everyone's eyes will be on
1: this guy Bob because because Iger is arguably he's going to go down as the best media CEO probably the last 50 years. Let
0: me just tell you something. What was really interesting and when he was picked, there, were, you know, Iger sort of ate through, uh, um, Eisner, excuse me, Michael Eisner before him who sort of went out on a bad note, I would say. Um, he was, he, he like ate through a bunch of CEO candidates, you know, and sort of killed them off. Um, and one of the things about uh, uh, Bob Iger was that he was thought to be sort of the the one who just t- sat around and took it from Eisner and didn't really push back, and everyone thought he was going to be weak. It was Steve weak. Young and the
1: 49ers with Joe Montana. Yeah. Remember that?
0: It, it, well, no. no. Uh, but go ahead. Sure. Well, so the sure,
1: 49ers, I think it was in the— Oh, you're going to explain sports in to the me. Well, early go ahead. 90s. I know about, but Steve Young was probably the best quarterback in the league, maybe the second best, but unfortunately the best quarterback in the league, Joe Montana, started before him. So you had a guy who was one of the best quarterbacks in the league sitting on the bench, and he was patient, and then he got his turn. But I remember some of that bullshit. Like, Eisner kept saying, I'm leaving. Wait, no, yeah. I'm not. I'm leaving. Wait, he no, I'm just, not. And he uh, didn't I seem to want to give Bob the keys to the car.
0: No. And he kind of was like, he was also, you know, lots of books I've written. I've read all the books about Disney because it's a really interesting company. You know, he was he was rude to the other ones. He was just like, it was yeah. just really interesting. And it was like Bob's the one that outlasted him. And it was really interesting. When I, when I first interviewed him, and I've interviewed him about a half a dozen times at least, um, on stages and, and different places and spent a lot of time with him, was that, he was the first person of a, just only a couple of media executives very early in the internet game. Yeah. Um, I, I'll never forget we were talking about why he was going to push really hard, and I, I just, in, in fact, wrote a column about this. Um, they had so many disasters in the yeah. internet, many of them Michael Eisner born, um, but they kept pushing forward. And I remember they had another disaster, something else I can't remember. I can't, you can't, it, there's like at least a dozen disasters. Was it
1: Go? What did they do? Disney's oh, there's Infoseek. Go. Info yeah.
0: C, Go. Yeah. There was a there was a lot, there was a lot of bad stuff that happened. Um, and, and, and he said, if someone's gonna, and it's, this is a cliche, but he said, if someone's gonna eat, um, our lunch, it might as well be us. And I thought, good for him. He wasn't scared of the internet, which I really appreciated because a lot of the media executives at the time, whether it was Philippe Dauman or any others at Viacom or wherever you met them, the only two people that ever talked About the Internet as an opportunity in those early days instead of a a nuisance was Bob Iger and um, and Barry Diller, which I thought was interesting.
1: So one key question you have to ask Bob at Code. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Just very simple. What is Epcot? Like, What is (laughs) Epcot? I don't get it. What is – I, I, it's like I go have sushi there and I go to Japan land. Then I go to a giant golf ball. And then they talk about space. Like what yeah. is Epcot?
0: You know something? I, I What is whatever, Epcot? I will ask him that. But one of the things that he did, I, the reason I like him so much is I hate Disney. Like I hate going to Disney. I hate theme parks and I really don't like it. And my brother is one of those crazy Disney lovers. Um, and so he Dr. Made Swisher me, likes Disney? No, not that one. No, my other brother, yeah. my Trumpy brother. Um, and so uh, he, uh, he made me go to the park or he wouldn't come to – Uh, all things D one year. He's like, you have to go. And then he had a film crew there Every time I got off a ride, saying, "Kara, how'd you like it?" Like and I was like, you know, I said, you know, um, yeah. Was, Kara Swisher like, at
1: Disneyland. Like, that just doesn't feel. Yeah, right. I called it.
0: I used to call it the unhappiest place on earth. Then we'd go back and forth right. and stuff. So um, he's he's a really interesting character. I'm excited to talk to him. I hope he doesn't bag out at the last minute and I get other Bob. Although I'm happy to meet other Bob, but I want other that Bob. Really That's what love. you should
1: call them. <laughs> uh, hey, you're welcome, other Bob. <laughs> other Bob. <laughs> that'll warm you that'll (laughs) get you I know
0: I don't I have never met this guy I've met Kevin Mayer I've met the others anyway we'll see what happens um and uh, and, uh, and we'll go from there. Speaking of another big company, Tim yeah. Cook, another yeah. – we just mentioned him. Um, he was talking about coronavirus as a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he said it wouldn't – the company said it wouldn't meet its revenue forecast for the quarter, citing iPhone supply constraints so obvious and, and lost retail sales in China where they have a lot of exposure. Um, it, it's reopened. 30 of its 42 stores in China had mm-hmm. closed them, many of them down. Um, what, what do you think of this? What's going on? Because now that, you know, the, it's still it's, it's becoming plateauing in China from what I understand. But at the same time, it affects these. Where would you away from Apple? Where would you invest right now? Um, yeah. How do they get it if these if the once coronavirus does get under control? Um, what what you, what happens? What do you do now as an investor?
1: So I, I think there's two like ways. To Apple.
0: F- Would you buy Apple into Apple right well, now?
1: Well, I, I own Apple, and I, again, yeah. my investment philosophy is straightforward: monopolies that are unregulated, and Apple checks both those boxes. Um, and I think Apple, again, is 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 putting in all the places for the ultimate recurring revenue bundle. But I won't go into it. By the way, Urban Dec- Dictionary has yeah. Rundle, and I got all excited and I thought it was going to be mm-hmm. me, and I immediately went on because I'm a narcissist. It's a type of yeah. dog, anyways. Uh, oh, Rundle. Is we're going to call
0: them because you've already gotten one, in.
1: that's like, right. Who do we? I want to speak to management. Who's, yeah, okay. the, who's <laughs> okay. the manager at Urban, <laughs> Urban, Urban Dictionary? So, uh, well, anyways, might be a
0: new job for Bob uh, Iger. How, how to play uh,
1: the uh, coronavirus. There's, there's two ways to think about it, I think. The first is defense, and that is there are certain industries where they will be recast as a negative in light of the virus, and they'll never recover. So I, I think you could argue movie theaters were already on their way down. This just makes things worse. People go to the movies less and find they don't miss it. So, but are there other companies that have been hit really hard? We're likely, yeah, they'll take a big hit in the short run, but at the end of the day, it's not going to change the, the underlying fundamentals and attraction of the business. So, for example, uh, Carnival Cruise Lines, and that is the company has been yeah, obviously cruises. ground zero for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of horror stories coming out of cruise ships. Um the stock's off about fifty percent, I think, in the last wow. three years. And while revenues are growing, it's now got a price earnings ratio of seven, a dividend of six percent. Very wow. well-run company. I just met the CMO, he's a very thoughtful guy. One out of two, one out of two people who are on a cruise right now are on a Carnival Cruise brand. Mm-hmm. So they've got scale, they've got a great loyalty program, and I don't believe that once this thing is over, people are going to be any less fond of taking cruises. And what we also have in our society is we have the full employment uh, Carnival Cruise Act in the form of Social Security because while Social Security takes seniors, 29 percent of them who would be in poverty poverty without it, down to 9 percent, we spend a trillion dollars on it. So $200 billion of Social Security or one-fifth is an effective social program. The other eight hundred billion dollars is such that someone can, a couple can upgrade from Carnival to Princess, also owned by Carnival. So you have a trillion dollar subsidy, a lot of which I would bet. I'd love to see this math. I bet twenty to thirty billion of that trillion goes right to cruises in the form of upgrades. So Carnival (laughs) cruises, Carnival. So that's playing what I'd call defense, and that is what industries have been or companies have been hit really, really. So for example, American Airlines is now below. It's IPO price, but also their their largest cost input has has fallen in price. So if you think people are gonna to continue to fly once the virus is over, American Airlines has been hit really hard. But my favorite yeah. on the defensive side is is Carnival, something I wrote about right. today Carnival. playing offense.
0: How interesting. I'm gonna ask you what is an offensive side, because I actually my right. column about to appear in the Times is about these work-from-home companies like That's Zoom. Exactly right. Which is up fifty percent. Um, and and will this this work-from-home movement, even though it's been going on and growing, yeah, it exactly really right. hasn't. And the last time we, we had SARS where people were more nervous about going out and stuff like that, we didn't have Facebook. We didn't have social media. We didn't have Slack. We didn't yep. have iPhones. Agreed. And so now all the pieces in place for work at home are there. Um, are there any ones you – know, that's a defensive stock, Carnival. What is an offensive
1: stock? Right. So how do we play f- offense? What might – So there's defense, and that is they recover, and then there's offense, and that is it accelerates the momentum of a company because this work from home home is a great idea. So what else might people do from home? So my stock pick, if you will, because right now the work from home, we talked about um, Zoom a couple weeks ago. It's up about 15% since we talked about that. The the One I think is a big opportunity because it brings not only uh, tailwinds from the coronavirus is uh, Peloton and that is i think that people are perhaps going to work do an additional workout at home i think people are going to decide well maybe i won't go to crowded places and i've been i've been thinking about buying a peloton or i have one and this is my excuse to use it if you look at their vertical, uh, they have mm-hmm. Apple like margins, they have a recurring revenue stream in the app, about oh, twenty percent.
0: Interesting.
1: They have right. that's they, a good one. They have outrageous loyalty in terms of their community. Their yep, NPS I love my scores, Peloton. their NPR scores are off the hook. And you know what they should do? You know what they should do, Kara? What? They should, they could create right now it's about seven billion dollars uh, in market cap growing fifteen percent fifty percent of a year. Although Apple doesn't like to acquire firms, I have never seen a better brand fit with any company You're 100% with Apple thanks. Right. I am I
0: I have such envy to buy the um, the uh, track the, the uh,
1: I'm gonna buy the rowing machine. And and Are you, the community oh, they rowing machine? They're what coming out you? with a rowing machine later in the year. I would uh, totally buy that. So I almost
0: bought one on Instagram the other day.
1: $7 billion, so cool. they'll do $2 billion in revenues, about three and a half to four times revenues, which is expensive, but it's growing at 50% a year. And you know what these guys could do? They would add 2 to $3 billion in market cap. They should start, and this, you're going to laugh at this, oh, they should it? start a dating site of like-minded people into fitness. It, their community mm. is so strong. They're so passionate. There's this underlying assumption that most of the people on Pelotons are hot, which is what drives any dating site. They yeah. could They could create a community and they could call it something else such that it didn't feel like a dating site, but the yeah. Peloton community is, in my opinion, one of the largest un- unmonetized I have assets I to say, I really in, do in like America. this work
0: at home. I work at, work out at home is now really very convenient. I, I, I'm going to have a mirror put in just to test it because I'm going to write about it a little bit. But you're right. You're 100 percent right. All right. We're going to move to one more thing. And and yeah. work work from home is a really interesting thing. And not just that, but tele, tele-education. Yeah. Really interesting to see if people start to test this out, if this gets worse. And let's hope it doesn't get worse. But a lot of these stocks are very poised uh, for these. And if you look at any of them in that, that area – Um, because it's a very different world than the last time this happened. Um, but the last one, Uber Eats updates. Jason Droghi, who I've interviewed before with Jason uh, Del Rey on stage, is leaving the company. Um, Uber has not given comment as to why. Last month, you predicted that Uber uh, Eats would be spun off, but they've been actually pulling back. Dara Khosrowshahi is pulling Eats out of the market, where it's among it's not among the top two food delivery services. I just interviewed a chef yesterday uh, here in uh, San Francisco, who was talking about how it kills, you know, the restaurant business, but you have to be in at all these different delivery services. It's a cutthroat. Um it's a cutthroat thing. And he was talking about restaurants getting together and not letting them have 30%. Like they they they've got to start getting together. Um it's a really tough business. Uh, Uber agreed to sell its Indian food delivery service to local yeah. driver. It discontinued food delivery operations in Vienna and pulled out of South Korea. So what do you think this Jason's a really interesting character, very um, you know, he was sort of, you know, ate Uber Eats. I don't know how but he was like super like this was a big opportunity, and at and a, a code two years ago, Dara talked about uh, it being a really critical part of their business. So what what up, Scott?
1: Well, no CEO ever says this is a shitty part of our business I don't no, he care went about on, though. and I'm trying he, to unload. He went
0: on and on two years ago. I'm just saying. Okay. He, 20, he said it was 24
1: code. months ago, that was before they were yeah. public. That was before the shit show that mm-hmm. is the, the it is the Uber company. as a public company. Uber is making the transition they need to make, and that is they're going from growth to margin. And Mm -hmm. even if you look in, and I I haven't seen the analysis, but just anecdotal pulse marketing, I notice Uber costs are going up in in Manhattan. And that's exactly the right thing, which means they'll take their growth down. Uber Eats is a terrible business. And when the CEO of that company leaves, it's one of two things, or it's one of three things, for personal reasons, which is why they always say, you know, I wanna spend more time with their family. None of these guys wanna spend more time with their family. (laughs) And then two, uh, it's it's a change. They, They have disagreements over strategy, and in this instance, I would imagine that Dara said, you need to clean this thing up because we're packaging it and selling it. And you yeah. need to take growth down, figure out a way to get it more profitable. Basically, he showed up and said, everything we've been planning for, everything you've been hiring for, everything you've been trying to figure out as no. the person running this decision, just kidding, go the other way. Yeah. And start firing people, start pulling out of markets and start putting lipstick on this pig because we got to dress this thing up and get it to market. And my guess is the CEO's is like, boss. I've been working my ass off around this strategy. Just no. Find find another guy or gal to to do to do your dirty work here. I'm I'm done. Or he's trying to sell it. But the the two have had a parting of ways because they're obviously both talented executives. There's been a mm-hmm. shift in strategy, and this just buttresses. And again, it might be confirmation bias. But again, my prediction with this other shitty company, DoorDash, trying to figure out a way to go public. There's going to be consolidation here. And the time to go – to the time to merge would be while DoorDash is private. So such who's that... going
0: to prevail here? Because restaurant – I can tell you every restaurant person hates this and has to be part of it. It's literally yeah. – they hate it tax. and they can't not use it. It's yeah. a critical because, because of the trends among especially young people liking delivery. My kids, that's all they do is use Uber Eats or – or uh, Grubhub or whatever, whichever ones. Uh, but this is
1: what you're going to see that's even going to beat up these guys more kick these dead horses or or near lame horses while they're down is that the biggest and most successful QSR companies, Chick-fil-A and Chipotle, Mm -hmm. are going to go even more vertical, which again is the key to massive shareholder growth, and they're going to launch, put in place their own um, delivery, and they're going to hire their own people. They're going to pay them, you know, pay them well. They're going to, and they'll come up with controlling the person or your interface with that brand has value. Yeah. Apple, the yeah. biggest unlock in shareholder history over the last 20 years, other than Prime, was Apple saying, we want to control your interaction with our brand at the point of purchase. So when Chipotle or Chick-fil-A put people in a uniform, and they're they're smart, and they're nice, and they're high EQ, and maybe they they give them a certain verbiage, a certain eye contact, whatever it might be, they're trained to be Chipotle ambassadors. That will positively impact the brand and will warrant the investment as opposed to, I mean, I literally have a guy who's just come out of the rain when, you know, with with whatever it is, these Uber, and they, I mean, they're good guys. They're trying to do their best, and they're always guys, Mm -hmm. but it's not what I call a highly branded experience. No,
0: not really. They throw a plastic bag at you. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah, they they come and run. They run. And yeah. yeah, And there's been some incidents and things like that. You know, it's sort of remember Cosmo.com. It's just not. It's not a. It's it's a race to the bottom. For and especially when Amazon. To me, Amazon will be the player here eventually, because um, you do trust Amazon with your delivery, and they That's have really been trying He's, to professionalize. You think they're going to get into food delivery? Yeah, because they've been professionalizing delivery. They certainly with the trucks and everything else, and they have to deal with these safety issues that, that, that plague them as usual at Amazon. Um, and but to me, it's a really tough business away from their core business, which is which is driving. And we got we got to go to break in a second. But I have to say, today in San Francisco, because of all these laws, AB five and things like that, I went to get an Uber because I was running late, and it was fifty dollars. Fifty dollars. Yeah. It was That's crazy what they need my to do. house downtown. They're going to market, it was. It was crazy, and I was. But then I was like, I'm not paying fifty dollars for a ride to work. I I, went, I walked. I was, you know, I walked down to the metro and took it. And uh, you know, I would have taken a scooter if uh, I didn't. I didn't have a helmet with me. But it was really interesting. And I remember I keep talking about they've got to bring prices up. And I yeah. have to say, it made me not use it. I was like, that is too much money. That is too much
1: money. Well, it's margin or growth. They're moving to a margin story. It's the right thing. It's gonna hurt the stock, but it's the right thing to do long term. All
0: right. Okay. We'll see how long that lasts though, because now it's way too it's now a product I don't like that much because it's so expensive, and I'd rather try it. Jungle Cat is on a scooter. On a scooter, I didn't. I don't have my helmet here, so I'm not going to use a scooter. But I, I would. And uh, you the have a helmet. Bike.
1: It's called that hair. That you, oh, you're literally me, your me. head is safer I'm so than sorry you're there is not no helmet that could protect. I'm so sorry,
0: you're I'm sorry, you're a hairless oh cat. Gosh. But the fact of the matter is, I have fantastic I, hair. I'd go down to my waist. One of the things that's interesting is that I am using their their jump bikes quite a bit. I love them. I think they're great. That's, a, that's same. Or I, I don't know pay. much about that. They're bikes. They're they're electric bikes, and they give you a little boost. Um, you you bike, but at the same time, if there's especially in San Francisco, if there's a little bit. A hill takes you right up it, and so I've been using those in Washington quite a lot over scooters. They're, they're they have baskets. They're slightly they feel slightly safer and more solid, and they give you a boost. I think the electric bike. I'm even thinking buying an electric bike, but I, I think the rental electric bike market is amazing, and that's run by Uber has the biggest one with Jump. Anyway, let's get to a break. We'll be okay. right back with wins and fails and predictions. Okay, hey, we're back with Scott. Scott, there's so many wins and fails this week. Why don't you begin? Why don't you begin?
1: Uh, okay, so my win is Panera that is going to a recurring revenue uh, bundle, if you will, or just recurring revenue on coffee. Yeah, Panera. Yeah. Okay. $8.99 right. $8. okay. for unlimited coffee.
0: All right. And it's okay. really interesting
1: because if you think about it, it's, it's kind of a genius move because A, coffee a prices. Year,
0: $8.99 a month or a year?
1: Uh, it's $8.99 a month.
0: All right. Okay. Why do you think that's great?
1: Well, look, people, do you realize on average people spend $1,100 a year on coffee? And oh, what they sure found is uh, the people who sign up come into Panera every 48 hours, and guess what they're doing? They're not only buying, getting their coffee, their free coffee, they're buying food, right? So mm-hmm. this is uh, the idea of a recurring revenue program. For example, Restoration Hardware, when you give people 20% off, they not only just buy the couch, they start buying towels and sheets, mm-hmm. and Panera's, mm-hmm. Panera is finding... That they're increasing purchases, increasing loyalty, people back in the store, and coffee became sort of disruptible because when you really think about how expensive coffee is, become coffee is
0: disruptible. Scott, you are a fun fa- I'm going to take your picture right now.
1: It's thanks,
0: my- thanks. Um, coffee right. disruptible. I like that. Yeah. You're right. I do pay too much for coffee.
1: Yeah. So it's Panera crazy. is, and you're going to see that across. I mean, here's the thing: we want simplicity in our lives. We don't want to pay, or we don't want. I always thought that the thing about Uber that was so wonderful is you just got to bomb out of the backseat yeah, as opposed right. to figuring out. I mean, how many times have you gotten out of a cab forgetting to pay and someone starts honking at you All and he's like, you no need to All pay? <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> so Panera, but they're finding these recurrent. I think this is where the world is headed. So yeah. I make one decision. I like Panera coffee or it's on my way to work. And what do you know? Once you get people coming through your establishment every 48 hours, wonderful things start delicious. to happen.
0: Pastries they have there—they have delicious pastries. So
1: innovation across recurring revenue at Panera—that's my—that's my. That's my all right. um, okay,
0: all right. And by that's the way,
1: mind. it takes some leadership because some, yeah, someone in the in the meeting says, "Well, wait, we're going to lose money from people who who spend four dollars right. for our our you know right. chai latte or whatever the heck it is they so sell." It's any
0: coffee or just coffee?
1: The honest answer is I don't know. All right, okay. Uh, well, all right.
0: Okay. All right, well, that's an interesting thing. I would I would possibly pay for that, but I I don't I don't want to copy. I like to go to a really overpriced San Francisco place that costs
1: That's a, a shocker. <laughs> <personally>. <laughs> that's um, anyway, a shocker.
0: What is your what is your fail? What is your fail this week?
1: Oh, my fail is Rajiv Misra. I, and I don't I don't want to add fuel to these rumors about some of the stuff coming out with him, but distinct of any of these rumors Explain. about this game of where Rajiv Misra supposedly did some very kind of sorted things to to kind of kill his competition for the CEO role at the firm and all this stuff is this coming firm. out. Explain
0: the firm. Explain the firm.
1: Oh, Vision Fund. Right. SoftBank's okay. Vision Fund. And yeah. Anyways, but distinct of all of that, distinct of mm-hmm. all of that, let's assume yeah, it's all hyperbola and, and who knows. Is there anyone who deserves to be fired more than the guy running the Vision Fund right now? I mean, literally, other than Agreed. Tom Perez, the head of the DNC, who deserves yeah. – I just I, I I love the fact that Gina Rometti was fired because the stock was flat. I mean, she did transition the company to the cloud, but Rajiv Mistra keeps his job at the Vision yeah. Fund. Yeah. So it, look, this the the fail here is po- more poor governance uh, from SoftBank and Masayoshi-san. Well
0: it's just one person. Come on, it's one guy who likes or doesn't like. He he's such a, a he's such an emotional executive, and I don't mean that right. in a negative way. He just does things because he feels like like there's not— Necessarily, and now he's in, in love this. with his geniusness. His, there's, you
1: know, there's, there's such a, li- a lesson in this, and that is it, it, one of the biggest flaws, one of the biggest Achilles' heel we all develop if we're is to conflate luck with talent. Yeah. And this guy Agreed. Masayoshi Son made the best investment in the history of venture investing, and twenty million in Alibaba, It's worth a hundred billion, and now he's under the impression that his gut is some sort of like magic the raider golden. of the lost Ark, you know, looking yes. scepter. And you know what, boss? You're right. You're probably very talented. You're also just really, really fucking lucky. Yeah. And true. the notion That's that he can just like to dream of up Valley. shit. Yeah. Welcome that much of Silicon Valley. Yeah. Too
0: much of Silicon
1: Valley. Oh my gosh. That is the mother of all. That is literally the home of third basers. Yeah. Um, but, anyways, uh, my loser is the poor, my fail is the poor governance at the Vision Fund and okay. the fact all that right. Rajiv Misro still has a job.
0: I have a single win-fail. Yep. The win is uh, the conviction of Harvey Weinstein. Okay, me. go on. He is now a convicted rapist. Uh, that is a win for the women who came forward. Um, yeah,
1: big is moment. A, It big is a big moment.
0: moment. It is a big moment. And, and the journalists like Jody Cantor and Megan Toohey and Ronan Farrow – who pushed this story hard and 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 really did do the kind of investigative work that makes you proud to be a journalist? Um, but the women who came forward, this is a win for them. And even mm-hmm. though some of the counts he didn't get, he's still facing, and they're appealing. Um, I think they uh, they are. Uh, he is he's going to be in jail, and now of course he's in Rikers, and which, you know, yay! Like that. the whole thing is just a complete uh, win. I think the fail was how. How long it took in terms of uh, 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 and and the backlash that continues around these topics, and I, I get the idea of it, every everyone is not Harvey Weinstein. Everyone is not mm-hmm. a, he's uh, he is now a convicted rapist, so I can call him a rapist um, and not an alleged rapist. Um, but and, and I get the, that part. But the idea that this this person who was so incredibly guilty the entire time took so long, mm-hmm. and and the even though Cyrus Vance was the one whose office did managed to pull off this uh these convictions how slow and how hard it was uh to do this and i it just is uh and i guess you have to sort of take your wins where you get them but the the amount of people who had to suffer i think it was i think jody was telling me 90 uh 90 people uh were were in varying levels of being sexually harassed or raped by this man um it just was and i'm sure there's many more than that um that it went on so long is is such a fail to me. I just don't. I don't. And I and I think it's the failure not just of, of the authorities, but people in the industry who enabled him, uh, even journalists who covered. It. I know a lot of journalists tried to get this story. I I talked to a number of them who were always trying to get it and for years. Um. And so I think I, what I want to know is where the other stories like this are and why we we need to get to them faster. So I really um I really uh, thought that was that was that was a great moment for a lot of people and and at the same time. Uh, Harvey Weinstein is in jail where he he so deserves to be. Um so that that is my that is. Yeah, my but opinion. the
1: glasses yeah. uh, to your you the first half of that the glass mm-hmm. is half full here because you your fail around it taking too long. It's about to take less long because this yeah. will establish precedent. It'll give, yes, a lot of district attorneys and prosecutors the confidence to go after these cases, whereas before they would say, these are very hard um, allegations to prove. And yep. you're going to see a lot of DAs uh, dust off their desks and their pencils and start revisiting, yeah. uh, revisiting cases. So I have a question for you around sure. win or fail. Mm-hmm. Did you hear the NBC interview of Cheryl Sandberg? I did. Win or fail?
0: I would not say a win. I, you know, it was fine. You know, she she did her stock answers. I, you know, I had a tough interview with uh, Stephen Levy. who wrote the book, and he and I yep. had a – you know, in, in a lot of ways – let me go to the book first because that's what the, it was based around – um, was uh, was a very good book to know things. You found out things about Mark that I knew a lot of them. But again, I was it was full. Right. In any other time, it would have been a very nice book about Facebook, right? right. Um, but I, he and I had a back and forth about access journalism and the and the, and the price you pay for that. And in terms of you know what people at Facebook were like, this is a book we can give to people to explain what we are. And I'm like, that's a bad thing. You know, you know, you don't want them to give this book to people. Um, mm-hmm. And so I was, you know, and again, it was uh, some of the reporting was super interesting and 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 revelatory. When Stephen didn't mean it, and he and I did have an argument about. He said he was showing, not telling. I'm like, in this case, things have changed. You have to tell. Um, he did a good job keeping up with me and and get, me giving him a hard time. And I think he's a very good a journalist. But it, journalism has changed. And again, back to H- Jorge Ramos, he was like, you can't just be a typer of information or a sayer of information, you have to really start to come to conclusions and speak truth to power. And so that backdrop, I don't feel like that interview spoke truth to power. And I don't know what I would do in an interview with Cheryl right now. And you know, I like Cheryl personally. Um, But I definitely would have been a lot harder on her and demanded her to get off her talking points. I don't fault her for staying on her talking points, uh, because that's what, you know, that's what you do. But I do, you have to at least go there with these people. I'm not sure you, you – I don't know what I would do in that interview, but it was not – I don't think it was a successful interview. But again, I don't fault Cheryl for doing what she does, which is go to talking points. What is she going to do, suddenly break down and say, yes, it was all me or – right. you know, I don't know. What do you think?
1: So I, I uh, spoke, John Battelle, uh, who's a friend and teaches a class at the School of Journalism at Columbia, um, he does these classes and I spoke his class last night. And I think that, that interview uh, she did uh, should be a case study in communications because I, I think it was access journalism. I just don't think mm-hmm. there's any way. I think they basically said, Okay, what's involved here? You want to interview her? It's obviously an incredible get. And Mm -hmm. I I don't know how this works. Maybe you do. But somebody at Facebook said, uh, we would like, oh, you want to ask about Cheryl's engagement? We would like that, and we'd like to start with that. because they don't do that. They don't do that. Well, okay. Why on earth he starts off, tell me... So you're engaged.
0: Yeah, I don't know. So trying enga- to establish what? a relationship. And then she know. goes
1: through a series of talking points about how we need to take decision-making on relationships back for young women, and I decided uh-huh. to ask him, and we went on a mountaintop, and I used to play yeah. Scrabble with my husband, and I was worried, and sometimes sitting at the counter about growing old a, alone. All this stuff is... It's I not think the it's right very,
0: thing for right now.
1: It's very you know? poignant. It's very gripping, and it's all been tested. I, what's the opposite of a trigger, a likability point? And I started listening to this thing, and about 17 minutes in, I just couldn't take it anymore. Yeah. And in the mother of all, like, awkward segues, and the reporter goes, so in the book, it's, uh, it says you're a control freak obsessed with your image and that you yell mm-hmm. at your direct reports. <laughs> and it was sort of this very awkward segue, but it just felt very... I, I just kept thinking that term access journalism. Uh, you know, I and think I sometimes
0: you 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 try to establish rapport with someone right. who you know yeah. who you actually Casey Newton of The Verge had a really good thing. It's one of the tricks that Cheryl has is saying she's nervous before interviews to the journalist to feel like yeah. she's vulnerable, which is I, I thought was interesting. Um you know, again, I don't – I just – it's the journalist's job here to not do that. I think yeah. you try to establish rapport in the beginning. I have a different thing depending on the person. Sometimes people are like, oh, you're going to get them, Kara. Sometimes you I feel their want to sweater. get
1: do You feel yeah, their sweater. you start, feel just, their like, sweater. I just
0: like – I sometimes do things like that. But I do um, – I'll, I'll tell you one of the – you either have to sort of establish dominance right away or you have to sort of push them off their game or ask a very strange question to make them confused. Um I have all kind. Depends on the person, and sometimes, like with this uh, Jorge Ramos, I just like him, and so I'm not gonna. Yeah. There's no reason to attack him, but I, I I went right to Trump with him because what? Yeah. Why else would I talk about anything? Like, because he had that back and forth, and what was going on, and so I tend to go right for the actual thing, which is my first question to Cheryl would be if she ever did another interview with me again would be. When are you leaving Facebook? Because I think you're leaving Facebook, and I would I would state it. I'd say many I wouldn't say many people think. I'd say I think you're going to leave Facebook and trying to find a, a good exit strategy here. So let's mm-hmm. talk about that. And I think I would just say it out loud. And I think yeah. Cheryl could take it. And I think she would yeah. actually give a much better answer. I think by doing this back backing into it things that people the reporters tend to do in interviews it never it never succeeds, and you let them go on. Um, And I I, last thing is sometimes you do let them go on. I think my interview with Mark was so successful because I let him go on. But I knew what I was doing. I was like Mm -hmm. I was letting him further make a problem for himself around this. In this case was Holocaust deniers. Um, But I often I often slap back real hard and then see what they can do. Sometimes I, I say something just very tough to them and then see what they do. But I I don't tend to like to do the so you're getting married that kind of personal stuff up top. Mm-hmm. I think that's, um, and if that case, if I was asking her, and I would like to hear her answer because I don't agree with you. I don't think it was it was as tested as you think it is. Yep, you um, would know. I, I
1: don't. I don't. I don't. I don't think it so. is. I don't. I'm. Yeah. I'm
0: pretty. It's not. It, maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. But it wasn't as much as you think it is. Yeah. And so I would say, look, a lot of people think that was a PR stunt. I can you? Is it? Like? Is it? Like? Let Let's have you answer that. And I think. Saying what everyone's thinking is – and owning you saying it versus saying many people say and that kind of stuff is what I tend to do. And in this case, I think right now Facebook is facing a lot of big issues and I think starting with her marriage is not something I would do right now. And I'm I'm very happy that she's getting married. I'm happy she's found love and – um, but I don't think I would do that. And again, Cheryl did her job right. Like I don't think mm-hmm. I don't I don't fault her for doing her talking points. No, I thought it was, I was brilliant.
1: Like, it's going to be. There's going to be not only there's one case study there, and then there's another case study. And that is uh, we have these inanimate legal entities called corporations, and we like mm-hmm. to think they're people. They're not. And what uh, the investor relations departments try to do is they try and personify the company because if a company is yeah. likable, it gets another one to three times EBITDA. It is the most accretive thing you can do is to have Tim Cook be likable and talk about Alabama football. Where did he go? You know, they all have their favorite teams and they talk about, you know, go hide or whatever. And they, you know, talk about their kayaking and the charity work they do. Or they talk about Ted Turner's Maverick nature or Richard Branson's just just incredible, crazy side. And they like put him in a wedding dress. Sheryl Sandberg has taken it to a new level. The personification, her brand of likability, her discussion of her 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 personal loss and her viewpoints, uh, important discussions around other issues. We've never seen an executive uh, personify a brand or at least attempt to personify or or it's just gone to an absolutely different level. and I wonder if I, I wonder know, if Steve it's Jobs. sort of hit peak personification. I wonder if I don't people know, Steve, are a little it's been
0: going on forever. Steve Jobs, and, right. and if you go back to Edison. Yeah, but Steve Jobs'
1: a, personal life was kept pretty personal, yes, wasn't it? Yes,
0: but he—he he, yeah, sort of, sort of. I mean, I think just you want to you want to link the person to the company. I mean, I think right. that's been the CEO fandomness has been going on forever. And Elon Musk, come on, it's all over the place. No, um, I'm saying, but has it
1: ever gone to this extent? I don't Is think it? Cheryl's
0: even close. I think Elon right. would be. I'd, I'd pick Elon. There's lots of people, or or, or Leah Iacocca, or whatever. I, you know, I get I get that. I get the right. concept, but in this case, I I I would have done a different interview. And when I do interviews, I tend to try to say the 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 the, the, the obvious part out loud. And I think that's reporters have to do that. And not worry about – and one of the, and I'll end on this because we got to go is um, uh, Jorge Ramos again said one of the things that when I do interviews we – talk- he was asking me how I do interviews. And he said when I do interviews, I assume I'm never going to talk to them again. That's how I go into the interview because they are going to be mad at me or whatever. I just don't assume I want a long-term relationship and I don't pull back anything because I don't care if I get thrown out of the room. And I think that's exactly the right way to go these days especially. Same thing with that book. It, he, he had to come to conclusions that he didn't, and he and it was it was too bad because he had amazing access, and, it, and he didn't come to conclusions at the end of it. Really, uh, I found disappointing. But you know, whatever. So that's it.
1: So do you have a prediction?
0: No, I don't have. I don't predict things. I don't I have should a predict.
1: Start. You got to start. I predict. I'm gonna. I'm, I'm, I predict.
0: I'm gonna buy you a cashmere sweater. So we come have a on. relationship.
1: <laughs> Loro Piana is what the big dog likes to roll in. <laughs> <laughs> that's I've got right. Not Bruno
0: Cuccinelli. not a uh, Cuccinelli. I Bruno, had some that rich shit guy is go. Butter. That I was, shit is I was butter. saying I liked someone's outfit, and he's like, "Ugh, it's probably Bruno Cuccinelli. Like I was like, "Okay, Ugh, like what?" I didn't know butter. the whole, the whole stratosphere of sweater wearing expense for men and stuff no,
1: like Loro that. Laura Piano is sort of your Italian, and you've inherited money. Bruno Cuccinelli is you bought it at an outlet, uh, okay. but it's still amazing. Anyways, okay. um, so okay, I have a thank prediction. You. All right, quick. If over a million people are diagnosed with um, the coronavirus in the U.S., uh-huh. and I'm praying that doesn't happen, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Nikki Haley is going to be vice president.
0: Oh, okay. That's been out there.
1: Um, Pence Gosh, is being geez. set up as the fall guy.
0: I can't believe I, if I had to stack rank them, i like Pence better. Versus Nikki Haley? Oh, God. She's such a suck up.
1: Governor <laughs> <Just> Haley? <laughs> really no, like, oh come good. on! She's been saying she's the most good. ridiculous
0: things in order to suck up to Trump. It's gross. Yeah, it's and she was she's smart. smart. Pence, I think, is she just is like smart. an empty vessel of of nothing and kind of dumb. And she's not. And so that pisses me off.
1: Talk so. about literally the the mother of all no win jobs. Huh? <laughs> I mean, it's just. Like,
0: <laughs> He's so dumb. They just literally.
1: Handed I it to mean,
0: Here, do how this. is
1: there upside? Is he going to get any credit? Are they going to be like, no. oh, he? Uh, it's no. just, anyways. That is just. No. Okay, it's like Ugh. again, it's like remember those? Did you see Chernobyl? Those firefighters are like, can you go into no. the mine and get the get the uranium no. out? Ugh, uh, anyways, uh, yeah. So I think right. Nikki Haley. Okay. I think all right. It, it, okay, she might that's a big rumor.
0: That's a big old rumor got running yeah. around. So let's it just is. see. Anyway, Scott, we have to go, but I want to do a shout out to Abby Weiss, who wrote us. I am enriched and challenged by Pivot. However, since the iPhone episode, my boyfriend calls it the yelling podcast. <laughs> I can't listen when he's in the house. <laughs> Thank well, okay, you, Abby! I have I have another shout.
1: I have a, I have funny. another shout out. We okay. okay, so winning strategy just played to the dogs, narcissism. Terry Kawaja created Profchi Bingo and distributed a, a bingo card. So let's play Prop G bingo. We have a gestalt here of consensual hallucination, despite the fact Kara and her dreamy hair constantly <laughs> yells boom. I, re- I, re- I, result- I weaponize, or I feel with my access to cheap capital, the big dog can get Netflix, Chipotle, and Cialis. That is Prop G bingo. That's a bingo. Oh,
0: Terry Kawaja on my
1: Twitter profile sent out a bingo card. So thank you, Terry.
0: Oh my God. Chipotle, Cialis. There
1: you go. There <laughs> gangster. you go. There's
0: gangster on there. I have to oh, love Are you
1: kidding? How could like, it was not time- be?
0: I was tiny writing. I haven't been able to pull it up on a regular computer. I
1: uh, made my yes. day. That was very really nice of them. Thank
0: you, Terry. Kerry Kawasha does some very funny things. Anyway, remember, we love your questions. If you have a question about a story you're hearing in the news, email us at pivot at voxmedia.com to be featured on the show. Thank you again, Abby Weiss. And we will continue yelling and keep your boyfriend. Kara,
1: have alone. a wonderful weekend. Thank you. You deserve it. I was thinking about a what a good person and a good mother you are. You deserve a wonderful oh, weekend. I'm going to surround you with white light weekend light.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm away from my kids. I miss them all. It's terrible. But I'm going to a creativity conference called the Box Sessions that Laura Holson, a New York Times reporter, is running. And I'm actually interviewing Alex Berg from Silicon Valley and uh, a, a top HBO What kind of bullshit
1: excited. is that? Creativity. I'm taking what, Erica Anderson. Let me get it. you're going to play with Legos.
0: <laughs> Erica Anderson and I are going to go and get creative. That's what we're going to do okay. in the mountains yeah. of beauty of near right. Santa Cruz. It's very exciting. Works.
1: That sounds nice. Take your vape. We, we, did Anyways. you not
0: get your invitation? Oh, I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> they only had 1,100 <laughs> people. I'm 1,101. <laughs> (laughs) That's true.
0: Listen to me. Read the credits and we got to go.
1: Today's show was produced by Rebecca Sinanis. Our executive producer is Erica Anderson. And special thanks to Rebecca Castro and Drew Burroughs.